Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message of the week. If you're ready to study the Word of God, say, let's rock and roll. Let's do that. Some of you never thought you'd say that in church. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are in the series, Not Such a Wonderful Life. And, and th- these two segments, last week and then today, has been about contentment and discontentment. And um, I, I still want to take that journey with you this morning. We're going to start by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now let's stop right there. Let's leave that on the screens for a little while because I'm going to break this down to you just very quickly. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me put this in layman's terms for you. This is Justin's paraphrase. That that those who, who are not only in right standing with God but have a right relationship with God in that you, you, you talk to him all the time, and he speaks to you, that you're just in constant communication with our Heavenly Father. You're, you're listening to his voice. You're obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit, and you're just living your life as a passionately devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So it's not that you just uh, you know, prayed a prayer one time, and you think, well, that's good enough. I'm, no, no, I'm talking about people who really enjoy their relationship with God, that they really are in right standing with God, and they love God with all their heart, and they try their very best to obey his voice, that, that that's godliness with contentment, with just saying, Father, you're enough for me. Like, Heavenly Father, you're enough for me. Like, if I didn't have what I have, you would still be enough. You're everything to me. There's a verse in the Bible that says this way, that we can talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are my all in all. You are my everything. And so if you have that in your life, if you have this, this right relationship with God, you're, you're, in a, you're in a great life-giving relationship with the Father, and you know that he's more than enough than, that for you. He's more than enough that you would ever need. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain, meaning you're further ahead than the vast majority of people in this world. If you just love Jesus and you know that he's enough, that the Bible says that's great gain, that you, you are better off you're further ahead than almost anybody else out there. And, and that's what this challenge to you today is all about. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's keep reading. For, verse 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. We all know that. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Let's stop right there. So how many uh, uh, you know that this very day you've had food and clothing? You've had food and clothing. That should be enough to make you content. That, that should be enough to say, Father, I've got all I need. I've got you. I have your son, Jesus. I, I have the Holy Spirit in, in my life. I have food. I have clothing. I woke up in a warm bed today. I've got enough. I'm just content. I'm content to be with you, God. I'm content to be found in you. But watch this. Verse 9. Those who want to get rich, though, they fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. For, for those people who want to get rich quick, who have, who have uh, just pursued money and pursued stuff, and I tell you this, it's, it's a mentality in which that person is just preoccupied with himself or herself. They're just preoccup- preoccupied with themselves. Their only focus is on what they want, the life that they want to live. Uh, they're going to pursue those things. They're going to go after those things. But the Bible is very, very clear. If you're, if you're preoccupied with yourself, and your thought is, I just want more. I, I want to go get mine. I'm, I want more. And you live that type of life. The Bible says that actually you can fall into temptation and it's a trap and that 
foolish and harmful desires actually plunge you into ruin and destruction. Plunge you into ruin and destruction. In fact, it goes on to say that some people who have been so anxious to get more stuff have actually wandered from the faith and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. Why? They were preoccupied on the wrong thing. They were preoccupied on the wrong person. I'm going to teach this to you today, that when I am preoccupied with myself, letter A, write this down. When I'm preoccupied with myself, the more that I want. It's the more I want. Like, okay, I'd be happy if, I'd be happy if, I'd be happy if. You're just, you're just always wanting more. You thought, well, if I'd be, I'd be happy if I only had, if I could only buy this, then I'd really be happy. Let me, let me challenge you on a few things. In fact, Everybody, this is, an, this is an actual illustration from somebody who does not come to church here, but it's a great illustration. It's a true illustration in that uh, I, I know uh, someone who just wanted, to, they just thought, I'd be happy if I just had another car. I just want another car. And sure enough, lo and behold, they went out and they got another car. And, and after about five, six months, oh, you know what? I shouldn't have bought that car. What I really wanted wasn't a car. I really wanted an SUV. And so they went out and got an SUV, and they thought that that SUV would really make them happy. And six months later, guess what? They weren't happy. Well, they were glad they got an SUV, but you know what? I made a mistake. When I got that SUV, I should have gotten an SUV with third row seating. That's what I really want. And then it was get rid of that car and then get rid of that SUV because, well, now I want this SUV with this type of setup on the inside. Can I tell you something? New song, that's a miserable way to live life because you'll never be happy. If you're looking to stuff to make you happy, you're looking to the wrong things. So when you're preoccupied with yourself, it's the more that you want. You just never have enough. And you convince yourself, if I only had this, I'd be happy. And when you get that, it's never enough. You always want something more. I, I, I never, I've, I've met and known several millionaires in my life, and um, some of them are very, very godly men and women, but some of them aren't. And, and for the ones that just were preoccupied with themselves, they, they don't care about the things of the Lord, that one million wasn't enough. And then, then they wanted two million. And when they had two million, they wanted four million. It just was never enough. It's just never enough. But when you're content with the things of God, and you're content in your relationship with God, then all of a sudden, life changes, and it changes for the better. When I'm preoccupied with myself, the more I worry, the more I worry. Write that down. The more I want, and the more I worry, because now you got more stuff to be worried about. Now, now you got stuff to be worried about. Okay. okay. So let, let, me say, let me say it this way. Um, see, and I've, I've had both. Um, I, I've, had, I've had trucks that were just old beater trucks. You know what I'm talking about? Like just old trucks, they had, you know, four-wheel drive, and I'd go through the woods, and I'd go through cornfields that had been cut, you know, and, it, and if, if, if I, you know, scraped my truck up against a tree branch or if I got, you know, corn stalks stuck in the bottom of it, you know, as I drive through the field, I don't care. It's just an old beater. It's just an old beater. It can get scratched up. I don't care. But the, the more I'm preoccupied with myself and the more that I want, the more that I go get, all of a sudden, the more worry I have, where all of a sudden you, you're driving that newer vehicle and you don't want limbs to scratch up against it, right? If you, if you have a brand new vehicle compared to the old beater, you're not going to drive that new vehicle through the cornfield. You're going to stay out of that. Now, you'd say, why are you driving in cornfields anyway? Well, because I like deer, okay? I have I like deer. I like deer with big antlers. That's what I like. And I've driven in lots of cornfields in my days, a lot of times to carry a deer out. All right. So the more that you worry, the more, that you, the more stuff that you have, the more you worry. Let me say it like this. The more investments that you have out there, what do you tend to do? When you don't have any investments, you don't care what's happening in the stock market. You don't care. But the more investments that you have, all of a sudden, if we were to go into a recession, you would care. Because the more stuff that you have, the more you have to worry about. Everybody see it? Let her see the more dangerous it becomes. And we've already read that. First Timothy chapter 6 says, hey, listen, if you're pursuing stuff, if you're preoccupied with yourself and you just want more and you're going after it and you're going hard, 
because you think it's going to make you happy. The Bible says that's actually dangerous, really dangerous. That you have the potential to not only pierce yourself with, with many griefs, but actually wander from the faith, which would be absolutely losing everything. At that point, you've lost it all if you wander from the faith. And then letter D, when I'm preoccupied with myself, the less peace I experience. And that's what we were talking about last week. Remember we said that if you live your life wishing that you had something, always wishing that you had more, well, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I wish I knew them, I wish I worked there, I wish my family, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you're wishing for, it disturbs your peace. And when you live a life preoccupied with yourself, I promise you, it's going to be the less peace that you experience. And that's the exact opposite of what our Heavenly Father has for you. He wants you to live a life that's full of peace. And I'm going to prove that to you by, by looking at one of the most famous uh, Christmas scriptures in, in all the Bible, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And, and you know that verse, and I know the thoughts that you have, the Christmas verses that come to mind, you would say things like, oh yeah, you know, the angels appear, and they, they say, peace on earth, goodwill toward man, that obviously God, you know, is a God of peace. And then you start thinking about, you know, pageants, Miss America, Miss Universe, and, and that famous answer, if they get asked a question, well, what do you really long for the most? And you know the joke behind that. With all the people, all the contestants in the pageant, you know the joke. Well, what do you want more than anything? Well, I just want world peace, right? Everybody thinks those thoughts. They think that's a great thing to say, but I don't think they have really any idea of what that actually means. Jesus said, I am that prince. I am the Lord. I am the Messiah. I am the one that Isaiah prophesied about in chapter 9. I am the prince of peace. What does it mean? I, I, don't, I, I think many in this room don't even understand what that word or that phrase prince of peace actually means. The word prince in Hebrew, you can write this down, the word is sar, S-A-R, sar. And we, of course, translate that as prince, but it's not talking like a Disney prince. This is, actually means Something totally different. Prince means the one in charge, or the Lord, or the chief, or the general. It means literally the one in charge. The one in charge. Now, peace in the Hebrew, you, you probably already know this. It's the word shalom. You can write that down. Shalom. And it means, you just say, well, that just means peace. Well, it means rest. It means tranquility. But it also means, in fact, the majority of the time, it means completeness or wholeness or contentment or success. So, so when somebody says, I'm at peace, what they're saying is, I'm complete, I'm whole, I'm at rest, I'm content, just at peace. I want nothing. I have everything that I need. And Jesus is saying this when he, when in the New Testament, he says, I am the Messiah. I am the Lord. I am the one that Isaiah prophesied about. I am the Prince of Peace. What, what he's saying is, hey, everybody, listen, listen, listen. I'm, Jesus would say, I'm in charge of peace. I'm, in, I'm actually in charge of it. Like, I'm the Lord of it. I'm the chief of it. I'm the general of it. I'm in charge of peace. I'm in charge. Let me say it this way. I'm in charge of your rest. I'm in charge of your completeness. I'm in charge of your wholeness. I'm in charge, Jesus would say, of your contentment. I'm in charge of it. And that means that Jesus then distributes it because he's in charge of it. Okay, so let, let me say it this way. Every first Wednesday of the month, I, I gather with, with uh, multiple leaders, probably uh, between 100 and 120 people gather the first Wednesday of the month. And by the way, all of you guys are invited. It'll happen, obviously, the first Wednesday in, in January. We'll meet again. And at the end of that meeting, at the end of, end of that time, where we just talk about the successes that we're having and the, the good stuff, we pray together. 
Um, and, and then and we just we just talk about the, the needs of the church, what still what we're still working on, what still needs to be done, how how people can help us, and because we really want to do this with excellence, we want to do ministry with excellence. And so when we gather in the first Wednesday of the month, uh, we have somebody in the church, and this is this is good enough reason for you to come. Uh, they they bake uh, homemade goods for people who show up. So so brownies, oh brownies. How many were at that meeting? You know those brownies were divine. You know they were divine. And the cookies and just yummy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? And so we hang around a little bit afterwards. We eat some dessert, some homemade goodness, and some coffee, and we just have, we have some fun. We, just, we get together and we just talk. We just hang out. And, and if I were to tell somebody, if I were to look at somebody, and I'm just going to call him John, if I say, hey, John, you're in charge of the desserts. We're not going to eat them until after the meeting is over with. Well, John, whoever John is, knows exactly what I'm saying. He's saying, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to protect this, and I'm not going to distribute it until the right time. So if you were to come out there and say, hey, where are those desserts? He's going to say, no, 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 no. I'm in charge of the desserts. And Pastor Justin said, you'll get it afterwards, right? He's, he's in charge of it. Therefore, he knows when to distribute it. He knows when to distribute it. And Jesus is in charge of peace, and he loves distributing peace. And he wants to distribute peace. He longs to distribute peace. But sometimes we're our own worst enemy. And we keep Jesus from giving us peace because of the choices that we make. Did you know that? Some of you have no peace, but the, the lack of peace in your life, it's not because Jesus isn't doing his job. He does his job not only with excellence, he does it with perfection. So if he's the prince of peace, if he's in charge of peace, and he distributes peace, he distributes wholeness and completeness, then how come not everybody has it? Could it be that we're preoccupied with ourselves? Could it be that we're more preoccupied with us than we are with them? Could that be? And in fact, everybody, I want to show you something in Scripture. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it reads this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, watch this. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now what's what Psalm 29, 11 says? The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Let, let me say it this way. If you do a study with how many times peace and Lord go hand in hand, you would be amazed because I could have pulled out multiple scriptures. And I just chose one in the New Testament and one in the Old Testament that says this. When Jesus is truly Lord of your life, when you find your contentment in him and only in him, peace will be given. Peace is attached to him as Lord. Now do you see it? The Prince of Peace, the Lord of of peace, the Lord of contentment, the Lord of completeness, the Lord of wholeness. Jesus is attached to peace, and peace is attached to Jesus. So the problem isn't Jesus. The problem is us. The problem is us, because we get in our own way. And we start focusing on the wrong things. And we become preoccupied with us. And we miss out on what Jesus would actually have for us through contentment. Through contentment. I, I'm going to give you some principles of peace. And, and on, on, at the same time, you're going to realize that if you, don't, if you don't embrace these principles, you're not going to experience the peace that you want to have in your life. And the first one is... Under principles of peace, obedience. Write that down, obedience. You know, a lot of churches across America, they don't talk about obedience anymore. But how many knows obedience is still in the Bible? Right? You know that, right? And not just once. Like, obedience 
Let me say it this way. Obedience is part of the Christian life. If you're a passionately devoted follower of Christ, you long to obey. You don't have a problem uh, with obedience in the fact that, uh, let, let me say it this way. You don't have a problem with obedience in that you don't want to do it. If you're truly a passionately devoted follower of Christ, you want to obey. You long to obey. It doesn't mean that you're always successful, but that desire is strong in you to obey. But sometimes disobedience robs us of the peace that you're meant to enjoy. Um, let, let me give you a great illustration of this. You, you guys know I've talked about uh, my high school years uh, uh, quite a bit, and no doubt if you've been attending here for a long time, you know that in high school I had a, I had a pretty fast car. Actually, a very fast car. It was a 79 Camaro, and it, it had a lot of work done to it above and beyond. It, def it definitely was not factory, I'll tell you that. And, um, and I, I sped a, a lot. I, I sped a lot. How many in this room have ever got a speeding ticket? Raise your hand. Mass confession. How many of you ever deserved to get a speeding ticket? You just didn't get caught. Okay, that's all of us. Okay, okay, okay. So, so let me tell you this. Let me, let me refresh your memory. As may, Maybe your memory was of yesterday. I don't know. Maybe it was of this morning when you came to church here. Um, uh, like when, when you're disobeying the law, when you're speeding, and I mean speeding, are you at peace? What are you doing? Come on, let's be honest. What are you doing? If, you're, if you got the, the pedal to the metal, what are you doing? You're looking, aren't you? You're looking be ahead of you. You're looking behind you. You're looking to the sides. You're looking up, up on overpasses to see if police officers are parked up there, right? If you're speeding, you're not at peace, are you? That's like the Christian life. Did you know that? If you're living a life of disobedience before God, you're not at peace. You're not at peace. When, when people come into my office, oftentimes they'll come in and say, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I'm just depressed. I'm discouraged. I, I, I just, I don't have any joy. I, I don't have any peace. You know, what's wrong with me? One of the first questions I'll ask, one of the top three or four questions I ask is, do you have a secret sin? Is there a secret sin in your life? Because when you have a secret sin, when you're, when you're disobeying the Heavenly Father, you won't be at peace. You're looking around. Who's going to catch me? Who's going to know? I've got to hide this. You're not at peace. One of the principles of peace is obedience. Just obedience. In fact, Luke 28 Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it, who hear the word of God and obey it. What are those people? They are blessed. You, you could say it this way. Do people who hear the word of God and obey the word of God, are they at peace? The answer is yes. Because I've, I've been disobedient to the Lord. You? I don't know about you, but I'm not at, I'm not at peace when I, when I disobey the Lord. I'm not at peace. Sometimes we get in our own way, don't we? We keep ourselves from experiencing the peace that Jesus obviously wants to distribute because of our disobedience. That'll preach everybody. How many think some churches across America need to talk about obedience a little bit more than we do, don't we? Because everybody, listen, the, the obedience to the, to the, to the Lord the things that the Lord tells you to do, that, that's, not, that, that's actually not to keep you in bondage. That's to release you from bondage. Your, your best days are obedient days. I should have got a lot more amens than that. Your best days are obedient days. You ever notice that? When you have a great day with the Lord and you obey him and he prompts you to do something and you do it, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, hey, go do this, go do this, could you talk to this person, could you just minister to that person, and you live that day for the glory of God, I promise you, you'll end that day with peace in your heart. You'll end that day saying, boy, that's how you live a life right there. But when we disobey, it steals, it robs us peace that obviously Jesus wants to give us. He wants you to have it. We need to talk about obedience more than we do, especially in this generation. 
Second principle of peace, contentment. This is what we've been talking about for a while, but I've got a verse of scripture for you that a lot of you are going to say, really, that's in there? Well, if you read your Bible, you would know it's in there. It's Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. It says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. So this is a prayer that's being prayed. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. So he's making a prayer here to God. He says, God, I just want enough for today. And here's why. Verse 9, otherwise... I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Now, we pray that in the, the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread. We pray that prayer. And I would suggest to you that, that many of you have, in fact, very few of you have actually prayed to the Lord something so personal as this, to say, Lord, I only want what I need for today. I only want what I need for today. God, I don't want to be rich, and I don't want to be poor. I just want what I... That's normally not the prayers that anybody prays that I know of. They always want more. They never want just enough, especially in American culture. Because you've been trained, thoroughly trained, to want more. Uh, my my uh, family uh, at Christmas time, to, my 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 boys are not happy about this, but we watch a lot of Hallmark like Christmas Hallmark movies. How many do that? First of all, I just want to say thank. I'm I'm just so grateful that my boys don't like those. I am. I don't know what to say except they're boys. You know, I'm raising men in my house. You know what I'm talking about? But what I found out is when when you, you know, because we have this thing, we we don't ever watch anything live, really. We always record uh, everything uh, for the most part. And so we'll we'll just fast forward commercials. And and, and so we have this thing down when we're watching Christmas Hallmark movies. Like every commercial break is about five minutes. It's about five minutes. So that means I hit the little skip forward on my remote 10 times because it fast forwards 30 seconds each time, right? One, two, three, and I just, I just hit that until we get five minutes. And, and almost, I'm, I'm going to find it really close to when, when the movie co- comes back in. How many know what I'm talking about? That's five minutes of the world telling you that you don't have enough. And they don't just do it for five minutes. They do it throughout the entirety of the movie over and over and over again. In fact, every time you turn on your television, somebody is telling you, you don't have enough. You just don't have enough. You shouldn't be content because you don't have what I'm selling. And you need to buy what I'm selling, right? So we often pray for more. But do you ever pray for just enough? Now, now you say, boy, there's a lot of these, well, I thought God wants us to be blessed. I thought he wants us to show us his favor. I thought he wants us to have more than enough. Isn't he an, an abundant living type of God? Doesn't he want us to live an abundant life? And the answer to that is yes. The, the answer to that is yes, he wants you to be blessed. Don't you want your children to be blessed? Don't you want them to be favored? Don't you want them to be well taken care of? Well, if, if, if we in our sin want that for our children, how much more does our heavenly father want that for us? He wants that for us, but he also, um, he wants to give to us so that we could give to others. And when we give to others, he'll give more. He said, if you're faithful with little things, I'm going to give you some little things. When you're you're faithful with those little things, I'm going to give you more that you can be faithful with. And when you're faithful with that, I'm going to give you even more. Can I I tell you something? Um, uh, David Grant, the, you know, Project Rescue guy that was just here a couple of weeks ago, the co-founder of Project Rescue, he called me uh, just yesterday. It it, might have been on on uh, Friday, but he called me and he, he said, hey, I've got some news for you. I said, what's up? He said, more money's come in. Some people just mailed it straight to us. I said, well, praise God. He said, now you're up to almost $44,000 that you've given Project Rescue. I just wanted to tell you that. And I was like, yeah. can I tell you something? That's just the beginning. We're faithful. New song is we're faithful in generosity. As we're faithful in giving to those in need, can I tell you, God is going to give us more. And we're not done giving yet. 
We're not, we're not done making a difference all around the world. I promise you, we're only getting started because we're being faithful with what he's given us right now, and he's going to give us more. He's going to give us more, and that's tons of fun, isn't it? Can I, can I tell you about this verse? It's not that God is saying, I don't want you to have, I don't, I don't want you to have hardly anything. It's not that he's saying that. You know what he's saying? You, you, know what the, what, you know what the writer is actually praying here? He, he's not praying, oh God, I, I just, don't, just don't want any more stuff. He's not praying that. He, he's saying, God, I don't trust me. But new song, let me say it like this. You should never trust you more than you trust God. That's what he's saying. He, he's saying this. He's, he's not talking about, he's not talking about um, uh, being favored of the Lord or being blessed of the Lord or God, God, keep your prosperity to yourself. I don't want it. That's not really what he's saying. That's not really his heart here. His heart really is, God, I know me. I know me. And I don't trust me. Help me never to trust me more than I trust you. Help me never to trust me more than I trust you. I say, I want to trust God in all things. And I want to be content with whatever I have. You? I just want to be content. I want to look at my Heavenly Father and say, God, you're enough. You're enough for me. When I get to that place, when we get to that place, can I tell you something? God will give us some things. But then we'll realize he gives it to us, not so we can hoard it, but so that we can be generous with it. When we're generous with it, he'll give us more. It's the law of sowing and reaping, and it really is a spiritual law. Don't ever trust yourself. New song, don't ever trust yourself more than you trust God. But let, let, me, t- let, me, let me tie that in with obedience really quickly. Because a lot of us in our disobedience We've made this vow to ourselves, oh, I'm going to never do that again. With that secret sin that you have, and you don't like it, you hate it, you say, I'll never do that again. And you relied on your own power. You trusted yourself to never do it again. But you did, didn't you? You did, didn't you? I did. Not just once just twice, I can't tell you the number of times that I trusted me instead of trusting him. Good stuff. Don't ever trust yourself more than you trust God. Call on him for everything. He'll be with you. Call on him. He's the strength of your life. In your weakness, that's when he show up in a very he, he shows up in a very strong way when you admit your weakness. Number three, the principle of peace is generosity. Generosity. Acts 20, verse 35 says, In everything that I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give. Than to receive. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And can I tell you something? If you are not a generous person, you are you are you are not allowing peace to reign in your life. Because generosity promotes peace in your life. Generosity is what brings the blessings of God into your life. Blessed are you when you give, when you focus on giving and not receiving. When, you, when you're not preoccupied with yourself, but you're preoccupied with our Heavenly Father and with others around us, when you love God and you love others and you get that right in your life, then you'll experience the peace of God when you live a generous life. I want to tell you something. It's, it's, there, there are different levels of generosity, aren't there? there? There's different times in which generosity is, is easy. So, so let's say this, everybody. Let's say that, that, that you know of someone who has, has just, their, their house has just burned down. And it was unexpected, and they didn't do anything that, that deserves it. It was just a tragedy. Their house burned to the ground. And then you felt compassion for them. You're like, we've got to help them out. So you sacrificed. You not only went there and helped them clean up and get all of their, 
you know, there, there's special items that might be salvaged out of the house, but you also said, hey, let me put you up in a hotel. Let me give you some food. Let me bring you a meal. Here's some cash. Do you need anything else? I mean, multiple times as a church family, we went and helped people in need after their homes uh, burned down. In fact, if you want to know the truth, my brother and his wife, probably 10 years ago, give or take, uh, their house burned down. This is a complete loss. And we walked through that as a family. And, and many of you here in this room were so generous to them. Oh, oh, you, you're going through, you're suffering. You didn't deserve that. But let me ask you this. What if somebody loses their house, they become homeless, and they, they do deserve to lose it because they were wrong, because they were messed up? And you look at them and you say, well, you did that to yourself. You did that to yourself. I'm not going to show you grace. I'm not going to show you mercy. I'm not going to help you out. I'm not going to be generous to you. You deserve what you've got. You better learn your lesson this time. Can I, can I ask a question? What if Jesus treated us that way? I don't know about you, but I'd be up a creek. Wouldn't you? I mean, I'd, I'd be toast. How many knows that Jesus... He gives grace and mercy when we don't deserve it. Thus, the reason it's called grace and mercy. Like he, he doesn't, the Bible says, he doesn't, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And aren't we called to be imitators of Christ? Can I tell you something, new song? It means you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna help some people that don't deserve to be helped but you're showing them the grace and the mercy of God. They're not going to deserve it, and something inside of you is going to say, you don't deserve it. But you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, do it anyway. Do it anyway. New song, let us be the church that rises up and just does it anyway, as we, as we are imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does that, let, does that mean you continue to bail somebody out? No, no. Dr. Dobson writes not only a book, but multiple articles about tough love. And there are times that you have to pull back. But when it comes to that time, uh, you probably need to get counsel from other people to make sure it's the right time. Because sometimes, it, in and of ourselves, we do that too quickly sometimes. Because it's easy for us to be judgmental, isn't it? Let, let me say it this way. Sometimes, wow, this, this is going to hurt some toes in the room. Sometimes it's more easy for us to be judgmental than it is for us to be generous. Al, did that hurt anybody else's toes except mine? Because I just stepped with my own. Because I've heard every story that you could ever imagine. I've had people lie to me straight to my face. I had, had a woman one time in tears. I have stage four cancer and nobody's going to help me. And I've... Years later, I see her walking down the street. She didn't have cancer. She just lying to my face in order to get a handout. That's irritating, isn't it? Can we all just can I just say that out loud? Isn't that irritating when people lie to you just to just to have you bail them out? So there is this thing of tough love, but can I tell you something? We're not called to be judgmental, we're called to be generous. And if you find it easier to be judgmental than you do to be generous, you need to invite the Prince of Peace into your life. He's going to remind you what it's like to be whole. He's going to remind you what grace is all about and mercy is all about. Hopefully we'll be changed for the glory of his name. Amen? Number four, dependence. Write that down, dependence. Philippians 4, 12, and 13, and many of you have... Philippians 4.13 memorized, but let's look at Philippians 4.12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, and I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So let's stop right there. Don't look at the next verse. Everybody look at me. What, let, let me ask you this way. With, with a simple yes or no, when he says, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. Is that verse talking about contentment, yes or no? It's not a trick question. 
Is it talking about competitive? It is, isn't it? He said, he's telling, he's telling you, I have learned the secret of being content. So he's not saying, I've learned the secret of always being victorious. He's not saying that. I've learned the secret of success. Nope, not saying that. He's saying, I have learned the secret of contentment. Verse 13, I can do all things. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And sometimes we take that verse and we're like, man, I, I'm, I'm having a tough day today. I've got to do this today. I've got to do this. But I've, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, okay. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. That's a verse that you should memorize. Philippians 4.13. You should memorize that verse. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But can I tell you this? The, the main context of that verse is that through Christ you can be content. Through Christ you can be content. Let me tell you then, according to this verse, what contentment really is. Contentment then, according to this verse, is wholly depending upon Jesus Christ. Being wholly dependent on him and in him alone. That's what contentment is. Jesus, if I just have you, I have all that I need. Now, do you see it? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can be content, and no, no matter what the situation, you can be content if you're just fully dependent upon him. But if you're not dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, wholly dependent, then you're not going to experience peace like you're meant to experience peace. Remember, it's a principle. It's the principle of peace. Jesus distributes it because he's the prince of peace. He's in charge of it, so he distributes it but he wants you to be totally dependent upon him and nothing or no one else. In fact, for five, write this down. When I place the responsibility of my contentment on something, or, and I could say, or someone other than Jesus, I'll never be happy. Let, let, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. Everybody, you shut your, your sermon notes down and just close those up. We're, we're done with those for the day. I don't want any distractions for the next few moments here. Let's just put those to the side. Once you do that, everybody look up here. And I'm going to ask that there's no moving around or anything, no, no getting up or anything like that. Let's just have a, a God moment here. New song, listen to your pastor. When you look to anything or anyone else other than Jesus for contentment, for your joy, for your peace, for your hope. You'll never truly be content. You'll, you'll never truly be satisfied. If you look to anyone or anything else. And, and that's why we, we teach this, to, and you've heard me use this before, but we teach this in premarital counseling. You know, the whole thing like, oh, he just makes me so happy. And, and the, the idea when people are getting married, it's not like, Oh, I can't wait to make them happy their whole life. That's not what they're saying. He, he's going to make me happy my whole life. She's going to make me happy my whole life. If you want to know the truth, that is so egotistical. It's so self-centered, that statement. Is this too bold, bold for you guys? Because it's true. Because you, you know how this works. Like, I am, I am truly satisfied with my wife. I love my wife. She, she has brought me such great joy. And I think I brought her joy. But do I bring her joy every day of my life? You can ask her and she'll be honest with you and say no. Because I've been a booger sometimes. I've been a booger and she's been a snot, right, dear? <laughs> I just thought of that, sorry. Uh, 
It's funny, that's an inside joke because my father-in-law told us, he said, listen, you know, this I was literally asking for, for Jennifer's hand in marriage and my father-in-law, he's sitting there, he said, let me tell you something about Jennifer. He obviously said, yes. Yeah. So he said, yeah, of course you can marry my daughter. He, he very much welcomed me into the family. He said, let me tell you something about Jennifer. I said, what? He said, she gets a little snotty every now and then. About 30 minutes later, she'll come back and apologize to you. And I'll tell you what, he hit the nail on the head, everybody. Because she, she can do that. But trust me, I'm, I'm far worse the spouse. She's far better than me. So that whole idea of, oh, he just fixes every day, really? Uh, if you're relying on some person for your happiness, I promise you, you'll be let down. If, if you're relying on something for your happiness, I promise you'll be let down. And those who, of us who have grown in the Lord, matured in the Lord, we've gotten to this place in our life where we know that a house is just a house, a car is just a car, clothes are just clothes. What's really important is my relationship with my Heavenly Father. What's really important is knowing and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when I'm found in Him, when I'm in a right relationship with Him, and when I, when I adhere to the principles of peace, when I'm obedient, and when I'm generous, and when I'm content, and when I'm dependent upon Him, that's when I'm at my best. That's when I experience peace that passes understanding. But when I'm disobedient, peace isn't there. When I'm discontent, peace isn't there. When I'm selfish, peace isn't there. And when I depend upon me, peace isn't there. See what I'm saying? Holy dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll know what peace is all about. If you're in that moment, you're saying, you know what, I'm not living such a wonderful life right now. I don't have peace in my heart. I don't have peace in my life. I don't have peace in my home. Can I tell you? Peace of God and the Lordship of Jesus go hand in hand. When Jesus is fully Lord over everything in your life, you'll experience his peace. When he's Lord in your home, your home will be filled with peace. When he's, home, when he's Lord of your life, your life will be filled with peace. That's the way it works. Can we bow our heads for a word of prayer? If you're having that moment today and... Um, you realize you're missing out on, on a relationship with the Prince of Peace and you want to invite him in. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. I'm not going to give you but just a few seconds just to raise your hand. To hold it really high and just say, today I'm trusting Jesus as Lord. Hey, you can put down your hand. Anybody else? I'm proud of you. Anybody else? Okay. I'm guessing there's some people in this room that you've, you've been preoccupied with yourself. You've been discontent. You've been disobedient. You've been selfish, not fully depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And today you realize that and you just want to, you just want to invite the, priest, the Prince of Peace in. You want to surrender to the Prince of Peace. And you're just going to make a declaration this morning that says, Jesus, I'm not fully dependent upon you, but today I'm choosing to be fully dependent upon you. I'm going to turn towards you. That's you today. With nobody looking around, would you hold up your hands? Keep them up high. Let me to see, yeah. That's a peace. Put your hands down. I'm proud of you. Thank you for listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And now let's invite our precious Holy Spirit in like never before so we could be the people who God has called us to be. Heavenly Father, first of all, we are so sorry for the times that we have uh, we've chosen us, we've chosen selfishness, disobedience, discontentment, 
chosen those things before we chose you. Lord, all of us in this room have fallen short of your glory. For All of us in this room have, have made poor choices, selfish choices. And I'm asking you today, Father, forgive me for that. In fact, Heavenly Father, forgive me of every sin that I've ever committed, knowingly or unknowingly. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Your word declares that when I confess my need for a Savior and confess that I'm a sinner, that your blood was shed upon Calvary 2,000 years ago is still powerful enough to wash me clean. And I thank you that I'm forgiven now because of your grace, because of your mercy. Today, I trust you as Lord. Lord, there's a lot of us, too, in this room that we've invited you in. You are our Savior. You're our Lord. But we've still trusted in things other than you. We've still tried to pursue peace in other things instead of pursuing the peace that you offer. Jesus, we're reminded today that you are in charge of peace, that you are the one that distributes peace. You're the one that gives peace. So we run to you. And today we're choosing a life of obedience. We're choosing a life of generosity. We're choosing a life of contentment and a life of dependence upon you. That's what we're choosing today. Help us. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to live the lives that we've been called to live. Heavenly Father, help us to love you first and foremost in every area of our life at all times. And help us to love others like we love ourselves. We want to get that right. Forgive us for being discontent. Forgive us for not pursuing you and knowing you like we should. And thank you for your mercy and grace. And at this moment, for everyone in this room that genuinely prayed that prayer, that we stand clean and righteous before you, fully forgiven and in right standing with you. What a great joy that is to know who we are in Christ Jesus. You are our Savior and our Lord Jesus, and we love you, and we dedicate ourselves to you, and we, we surrender to you. We surrender today to the Prince of Peace, and pray it in Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life, and we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.